Welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies, and this is July 22, 2008. Today our topic is chiropractic care, and our special guest is Dr. Kurt Wood, Executive Dean for Clinic Affairs at the Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. The Palmer School of Chiropractic evolved from the Palmer School and Cure, which was founded in 1897 and was the first college of its kind in the world. Today, the Palmer School also has campuses in San Jose, California, and in Port Orange, Florida. Good morning, Dr. Wood. Good morning, Alan. I guess I should begin with a simple question of what exactly is a chiropractic adjustment? Well, that is a form of manual therapy that will be applied to the joints of the body, and the intent of the adjustment itself is to physically affect the articulations and the soft tissues around a particular joint in an effort to alleviate any interference or abnormality that might be uh, created within the nervous system around that joint. Well, I know spinal manipulation goes back to the ancient Greeks, but Dr. D.D. D. Palmer, uh, the founder of your school, performed his first adjustments in 1895, uh, relieving one man of deafness and another of heart trouble. How has chiropractic care evolved over the decades since then? Well, that's exactly right, and obviously it remains the largest natural healing profession in the world today, and what I mean by natural healing profession is those that don't necessarily utilize drugs or surgery. And obviously there are chiropractors now worldwide, just a, a tremendous expansion of chiropractic licensing, not only in the United States, but uh, in, in countries all over the world. And of course, uh, the establishment of, of chiropractic colleges as well throughout the world, uh, South America and Europe in particular. Which leads me to my next question. What exactly are the educational requirements to become a chiropractor? In the United States, uh, there are standards that are set by the Council on Chiropractic Education, which is the accrediting body uh, from the um, uh, Office of Education, uh, the United States Office of Education, uh, that's recognized by uh, the United States Office of Education. And uh, the requirement is a minimum of three years of uh, a college, uh, pre-chiropractic college uh, education that would involve um, actually elements from the sciences to English and, and those types of things, very similar with other healthcare professions as well. Do the licensing requirements vary by state or are they relatively consistent across the country? Actually, in the last uh, 10 or 15 years, they've become very consistent across the country. Uh, typically, I believe there's only perhaps a handful of states, if that, that uh, even offer their own uh, licensing examinations now. For the most part, uh, after the completion of the uh, uh, pre-chiropractic college uh, uh, requirements and uh, then completion of the professional program at a college. Uh, the student or the graduate also must complete uh, a series of four national board, standardized national board examinations. And um, with that, most states now will simply have a what they commonly call a jurisprudence test. In other words, uh, an examination that, that uh, makes sure that the uh, licensed applicant <clears throat> for that particular state uh, understands the laws and rules of that particular state uh, where they're going to be practicing. So it's become quite uniform now. Sounds like it. I know that uh, chiropractic care, most of us associate that just with a bad back or a bad neck, but what other kind of uh, health conditions can chiropractic benefit? We know there's no question, Alan, that uh, somatic problems are the uh, chiropractic bread and butter. 
um, back pain, neck pain, headaches, uh, uh, joint pains, uh, muscle pains, injuries uh, that involve the body soma or the body framework. Uh, however, there uh, uh, has traditionally been, and there's also some literature to support that there are other visceral conditions that uh, that uh, the chiropractor may be able to influence as well. Um, things uh, such as asthma, for instance, um, uh, different bowel uh, difficulties, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, and other some such things. Um, and uh, traditionally, chiropractors have uh, have treated those conditions uh, as well uh, since the inception of the profession. And you also deal with limbs. I know uh, from personal experience, it's not just the back, but it's everything, as you said, that connects the entire structural system. Yeah, the, the extremities are very important to the chiropractor. And, of course, there's been, in the last 20 years or so, um, just a, a, a significant increase of the use of chiropractic by um, elite athletes, uh, Olympic athletes, and so on, professional athlete, athletes of all stripes from every sport as well. Obviously, wanting to extend their career as long as possible and take better care of themselves. That's right. Any estimate on how many people actually visit a chiropractor every year in our country? There are, and you're going to have to forgive me because I, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, uh, but I can tell you that the, in terms of the United States population, approximately 10% of the population uh, visit a chiropractor on an annual basis, at least once annually. That's a very large number. It is. However, that means that 90% don't. So that's also a large <laughs> population that that uh, that certainly could benefit by chiropractic care as well. Uh, we do know, as, uh, too, there was a, a study that was published in the late 90s that uh, that really was uh, that you're probably familiar with. That was uh, that was really seminal here um, regarding the um, the utilization of complementary and alternative medicine providers such as chiropractors uh, that, um, that that showed that. Um, the, the, the population of people that were using uh, CAM providers like chiropractors, and, and chiropractors were, were the most uh, widely used CAM providers, was much higher than was originally thought. Well, and, and the number that I'd heard uh, repeatedly was that about 31 million people experience low back pain at any given time. So your figure of 10 percent is just about dead on the money. It is, and, and in fact, uh, things like back pain and neck pain uh, have been found through um, uh, researchers uh, to be fairly universal. Um, you know, I have seen uh, studies uh, that have shown that uh, almost everyone in the United States will at one time or another suffer from uh, some sort of a neck or back pain problem uh, where they will seek care. The American Chiropractic Association has the, the figure of at least 80% of the population will experience back problems at some point in their lives. So That's right. Yeah, that's quite uh, universal. Absolutely. And, and I can certainly attest to that from personal experience. <laughs> okay. What should a new patient uh, expect when they visit one of America's 60,000 chiropractors for the first time? Well, actually, they should um, expect to see, um, expect the visit, I should say, to be very similar to uh, visiting any other doctor for that matter. Obviously, they're coming into the chiropractic doctor for a particular reason, and so the doctor will interview the, the individual. In other words, take a history to determine what it is that they're presenting for, uh, what their past health history might be, um, including uh, injuries, uh, illnesses, uh, medications that they take, any surgeries that they've had, and so on. <clears throat> and, of course, that will be done because there, there can be multiple causes for, uh, uh, for um, uh, whatever ails that individual. Um, typically, after the history and the interview, uh, then the uh, chiropractic doctor will perform a physical examination. Now, this may be a very focused physical examination. Doc, I dropped a rock on my foot. And uh, so it might be focused simply on the foot, or we may have an individual that has had 
um, chronic back pain or chronic neck pain uh, for some time, and uh, they may need a more comprehensive physical examination. Uh, that will include everything from uh, blood pressure, uh, height, weight, pulse, uh, to um, uh, particular spinal examination, evaluation of a person's motion capabilities. Um, they may also uh, be evaluated uh, just like any other doctor with the use of the stethoscope to listen to the chest and heart, for instance, if, uh, if it's involving that particular body area. Um, and uh, the doctor may often employ some sort of imaging procedures, such as x-rays or other more advanced diagnostic imaging procedures, uh, such as MRI or CT, if it's clinically necessary. And they may also obtain some laboratory evaluations on an individual, ordering or obtaining blood tests, urine tests, and those types of things, to um, make a determination on what the person's problem is caused by and whether or not the treatment that the chiropractic doctor offers would benefit that patient. Because chiropractic care really is focused on the concept of health and not the disease itself. So you have a much more holistic view of treating the patient. Is that correct? We like to think that, yes. Um, you know, we look at the body as a whole. You know, obviously we concentrate on the uh, bones, joints, uh, articulations, and, and, uh, and nerves of the body. Uh, but that encompasses, of course, uh, quite a number of organ systems right there. So we're very holistic just by the way we, we look at this. But there's other aspects as well, such as nutrition, uh, psychosocial aspects that, that uh, may enter into the person's presentation uh, that we, we always try and examine and, and, uh, and provide some sort of uh, uh, input to the patient or, or some recommendation to the patient that may assist them. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. I know many people are concerned about uh, the popping sound that you hear during an adjustment. What exactly is that? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, that is a joint separation, and uh, current conventional wisdom tells us that uh, there is a, um, a small amount of liquid in each of our joints of our body uh, that uh, provides some lubrication for that joint. It's called synovial fluid. And, uh, of course, um, that fluid within the body also has gases that are dissolved in that oxygen and particularly nitrogen. And uh, the, the current thought is that with the separation of the joint that takes place with an adjustment maneuver, it actually creates a bit of a vacuum as that joint is gently stretched. It creates a bit of a vacuum uh, or a negative pressure within that joint. And with a negative pressure, the gases that are dissolved in that synovial fluid actually form a uh, a gas bubble, as it were, and the gas bubble pops and returns, of course, back uh, dissolved into the synovial fluid. And it's thought that's what cur uh, that the current uh, conventional wisdom is. That's what creates the the popping sound. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I guess the the listeners are going to wonder: Is it safe? Actually, chiropractic is considered very safe. You know, with chiropractic treatment, uh, as with any treatment, there can certainly be some sort of an adverse event. We are applying physical forces, uh, uh, hopefully in a very gentle fashion and in a very focused fashion to therapeutically benefit that patient. But any time that you're applying physical forces, <clears throat> you certainly can have some sort of adverse uh, effect. For instance, uh, probably the most common uh, adverse event would be a bruise. 
mm-hmm. um, particularly in those individuals that might be more prone to bruising uh, or those individuals that might be taking medications such as blood thinners uh, where they could bruise very easily. You can certainly strain muscles uh, by applying these types of physical forces as well, particularly if the individual, the patient, is might be resisting uh, the effort. Uh, there can be, thank goodness they are very rare and uncommon, but there can be more serious uh, sequelae and adverse events, <clears throat> such as the occasional rib fracture that might take place and those types of things. But thank goodness those are extraordinarily uncommon. With 100 years of experience, uh, and I'd hate to even estimate a guess on how many millions of patients, obviously it's an extremely safe uh, therapy in general, but as you said, there are certainly exceptions to every rule. There are. One of the concepts that I know many people find hard to believe, especially when you have a a sore back, is that stretching and and certain types of uh, therapeutic exercise can actually be very beneficial. Oh, absolutely. And, And in fact, you know, considering 30-plus years ago when I was a, a chiropractic student when uh, bed rest was advocated, mm-hmm. uh, we now have uh, scientific literature and, and, uh, and research and evidence that tells us that the sooner we can get a person uh, active, uh, the better off they are and the faster they typically heal, um, particularly after a back injury or a neck injury of some sort. So we try and limit now the uh, placing uh, uh, whatever the injured part might be in physiologic rest. Certainly there are times where that's necessary or maybe a brace or a support of some sort is needed uh, to place that uh, that injured part in, in some sort of therapeutic rest, uh, physiologic rest, excuse me. But as soon as we possibly can, we want to try and inject motion uh, back into the articulations, into the joints again. And, uh, of course, the evidence tells us that the sooner we can do that, the, the better the chances of a positive outcome for the individual patient. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm not alone in, in having kind of a counterintuitive reaction saying, you want me to do what when I come in with a sore back? But uh, from, well, from personal experience, it does actually make it a lot better. You're exactly it right. Does, and getting it does. Getting motion is wonderful. Uh, that's right. And, and very often it has to be incremental, uh, Alan. Uh, in other words, um, if somebody's had a significant injury, and uh, let's say they've been placed in a low back support uh, for uh, a few days here to place those uh, joints and articulations in some sort of physiologic rest. Um, we're not going to get the person out there and start having them do uh, uh, deadlifts and, and other forms of weightlifting. <laughs> it'll it'll always it'll always be incremental and within the patient's tolerances. And then of course the the thought process here is we have to increase the patient's tolerances on a day by day basis. Very typically that's what will be done and 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 that will be the type of therapeutic exercise that will be uh, recommended and, and prescribed to the patient. A couple of chiropractors mentioned that it's actually also good for the mental state of health that uh, if, as you said, years ago when you used to recommend bed rest, that it kind of put uh, people into a, a victim mentality that, you know, I'm injured, I, I can't do anything. And, and to recommend even minimal exercises to, to get them moving again keeps them out of that frame of mind that they're saying, well, I'm only slightly less than normally healthy and, and I can get back quickly. I would agree with that uh, completely. I know from my own experience in, in treating patients that um, it's particularly for that individual that uh, this is their first real significant uh, pain episode that they've had. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for them to get into the mindset that, oh, I'm going to become a, uh, 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 I'm disabled now. I'm going to become a back cripple, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, so to assure them <clears throat> that uh, the chances are that this is a self-limiting condition that we're going to help you get through 
and uh, and particularly if they comply with the uh, what's <coughs> excuse me what's been recommended to them uh, that uh, they will be back in shape again and, and uh, back doing all of their activities and 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 of course the studies show that uh, that that is the case. Most people don't realize that it was only 20 years ago that the federal courts had to intervene to protect chiropractic care from the American Medical Association. Has the acceptance and popularity of chiropractic care grown over the years since that point? Well, it certainly has. I, I don't know if it's um, if the acceptance with the general population has grown because of that particular uh, uh, antitrust lawsuit that was uh, won by the chiropractic profession. But what it has done, of course, is um, stimulated the cooperative, collaborative, and, and integrated care opportunities between chiropractic uh, doctors and, and uh, medical doctors of all stripes. Well, and I know chiropractic care is covered by most insurance companies today, so I have to assume that that's helped open the door for you for wider acceptance, both from uh, doctors and from patients at this point. That has, and, and particularly with the patients, and I think that probably is a bigger issue in terms of patient acceptance because it that really becomes a... a a factor of access for patients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chiropractic care now is covered by workers' compensation, uh, personal and, and bodily injury policies, indemnity health care plans, uh, HMO and managed care plans, uh, private and employ, uh, employer-sponsored health insurance plans, as well as federal entitlements like Medicare and Medicaid. Obviously, that you know, the vast majority of people in the United States are covered by one or more of those plans, and, and because they are covered, that does increase the accessibility of chiropractic care to those people. And I think uh, certainly over the last, say, 20 to 30 years, that has just been uh, phenomenal for the chiropractic profession. What should a new patient look for uh, when they're looking for a chiropractor, or to be wary of, I guess, should be the other side of the question? Well, let's stay on the positive end of that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the... The, 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 the chiropractor, uh, well, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. Um, obviously, the, the best, and I've always thought this, and I've been in practice now for 30 years myself, and, and, and the best kind of advertisement is the, the, the type of advertisement you get from satisfied patients. So individual people need to talk to their friends and to their relatives and, and, and to their coworkers about chiropractors that they've been to where they've had a positive experience. I think that's that's most important. Uh, that that type of word uh, getting out to an individual, I think, is a good endorsement. But but certainly, uh, clinical best practices comes into play here. The patient should be looking for a chiropractor that understands the concept of clinical best practices and understands that the doctor should always do what is in the patient's best interest. Now, by that I mean that the doctor needs to be patient-centered. They need to focus on what the patient needs and what the patient desires. But they need to balance that with clinical best practices, with the what the body of scientific literature and evidence actually shows will be helpful for individuals, and then also combine that and balance that with clinician experience. I think those three things, evidence, clinician experience, and being patient-centered, are the most important aspects for patients to, to look for in their chiropractic doctor. I think those are wonderful recommendations, and that will certainly help our listeners. Dr. Wood, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today about chiropractic care. You're very welcome, Alan. It's been a pleasure. And any of our listeners who have uh, questions or would like to learn more about Palmer College, uh, they can go to the Palmer College website, which is www.palmer.edu. That's correct. You've You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back next week with another edition. But to learn more, please visit the podcast page at www.
unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.